my name is Walter C80 Spedchuk, and welcome to Final Cut Rough Drafts movie review slash superhero movie review slash we watched a movie and we really liked it, so we want to talk about it on the internet. Mm. Uh, today we're going to talk about Wonder Woman because it came out and I think we both enjoyed it. Uh, and when I say we, I of course mean my good friend and Rough Drafts podcast co-host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday morning? I, you know what? I'm doing great. I, I live in a world in which DC can make a good film. That's awesome. You know, as someone who loves superhero movies, uh, I've wanted to get to this point for a while. Um, you know, Man of Steel, I had no real, you know, I, I didn't really care for it. It was fine, but it didn't really impress me. Uh, it found me kind of cold, I would say. And then Batman vs. Superman sucked, and Suicide Squad sucked, and I was so ready to just write this whole thing off. And now we have a good film. And, and one of those films that we can all, like, the, the widespread, you know, critical view is that this is good. This is everybody is coming together and enjoying this, and it's making a ton of money at the box office, and it's finally... It feels like Warner Brothers listened to the criticism and figured out what they needed to do. And, and Patty Jenkins just proved to be the right person to, to bring that to life. You know, it's having a, a female-led superhero movie and directed by a female director doing as well as it has in a universe that had previously been struggling, at least critically, to, you know, whatever you think about the films – Critically, it wasn't doing very well. All of this is just a really pleasant surprise for me, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And before we get into the meat of our discussion and our review and our thing, I do want to take a pause, and I want to say something directly to everybody on YouTube and those of you internet warriors who are, who are getting ready to go pound away at your keyboards. I don't give a shit what your views are on feminism. I don't give a shit of what your views are on cucks or SJWs. If any of your comments are going to use those words, I'm just going to delete them. So if you're coming here because you want to make some big political statement and get into some argument about feminism or whatever, this ain't the place. This ain't the place. This is two friends that are talking about a movie they love that does happen to have some female positive role models. So... I don't care. I'll delete them. That was your warning. That's your disclaimer. On to the actual movie. Chase, you did bring up that DC had left you cold, which makes sense when Zack Snyder is kind of the architect behind it. I, I would not call Zack Snyder a very warm and fuzzy person uh, when it comes to his movies. What were your expectations before all the reviewers got to the movie, before it had like a 98% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, before there was all this critical acclaim about it. What were your thoughts a month beforehand? Well, I, I had seen the trailers and I liked the trailers. I, I thought the trailers did a, a good job of kind of setting it up um, and, and making me believe like, oh, you know, it's interesting that we're doing World War One, for instance, because World War One is such a messier conflict than most superhero movies go to. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting that, you know, they, they really seemed to be um, emphasizing, at least at that time, the whole, hey, you know, fish out of water, and, and you know, let, let's see how, you know, she's going to have to react to this world. But, you know, World War One is such a dark time in history, and my fear 
was that they were going to go all in on that dark and gritty aspect that was, you know, what what had pervaded, in my opinion, Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel and, and, and all of those DC movies up to this point, even going back to The Dark Knight Rises, which I didn't particularly care for either. Um, I, I, I thought that there was a chance it would get hung up in that, in, in kind of the, the dreariness of it, the, uh, the suffering of it, and that she would get beaten down by it in this version in the same way that Superman was beaten down by what he had to face with General Zod and, and becoming, you know, and, and Doomsday and, and everything with that plan and, you know, kind of the, uh, I don't even know how you want to describe uh, Batman in that universe. It's not, there, there's no real hope or, or optimism or, or anything that's been established so far. So I was like, well, that's who Wonder Woman is. If they don't understand that, we are boned. And this is going to be another really just unpleasant film. And luckily for me, Patty Jenkins and uh, the writers on this film completely understand that you, you need those elements because that is who Wonder Woman is. And none of that was a problem. But that was a fear. And I think it's a fear that if you've watched the DC movies before, I want you to know just off the gate, we haven't gotten any spoilers or anything yet. So if you haven't watched this yet, pause, go see it. That's not going to be the problem. If you just if you want a superhero film that is fun and exciting and that you can get into, um, this is going to be that. It, it is not, I would say, as lighthearted as a Marvel film would be. Uh, that's never going to be what DC is doing. But it is certainly an, an optimistic film. It is not a film that that is mired in the circumstances. It's about rising above those circumstances, and it's about believing that you can and believing in uh, the ability for people to transcend that. And that's a really powerful message to me. So definitely, if you have the same fears that I did, go pause this, go see it, and then come back and listen to what we have to say about it, because it absolutely will be worth your time. Yeah, I... I... A thousand percent agree with Chase on that point. I will agree that the the oh man, DC has created such a such a dark and sort of depressing universe to live in was was a was a fear. Um, I actually like the World War One choice. We don't yeah. see a lot of films, a lot of media about World War One because it was such a gruesome point in modern uh, world history, and there's not. There's nothing sexy. There's nothing uh, uh, like majestic about trench warfare. It is the dirtiest and grimiest and humanity at its worst, essentially. And I really like the fact that that was the tone they went with the, the villains, with the Germans, was that this wasn't just, oh, yeah, we're going to beat the German army. It's like, no, there is this very specific group of people inside the German army that while they are pushed by Ares, and here's the first spoiler, Ares is the bad guy, they're pushed by this to find this debilitating chemical weapon that they don't care who it hurts, they don't care whether it's their side or not, they just want to maim, they just want to call us destruction. And I thought that was a you know, really interesting way to go because they did have Wonder Woman, this you know, so full of hope, this you know, beacon of justice and everything counteracting it. You were able to go in such a heavy direction with the, with the villain. What what were your thoughts on on why they went like the chemical weapons route instead of more of a common sort of bad guy? 
Well, I I, I will say uh, this is going to start with uh, Chase is a history nerd and therefore has problems with the film's presentation of World War One because they got a couple things pretty badly wrong. Um, number one, and, and this is the reason that I was most excited for them using World War One, and I think something that they absolutely should have capitalized on more. The Germans were not bad guys in World War One. Everyone was a bad guy in World War One. Uh, World War One was a conflict that came from a whole bunch of different alliances that had been uh, strung together that were basically untenable unless everyone was absolutely perfect uh, diplomatically. And when there was a spark over in Serbia, when Franz Ferdinand gets assassinated, all of these alliances were forced to move into action in a way that was basically uh, unable to be stopped uh, unless it had been some really great leaders at the time, which unfortunately they just didn't have bad roles on the monarchy dice, as Dan Carlin would like to say it. So I, I didn't like the fact that Germany was presented as these holy bad guys. Now, I, I think that uh, Ludendorff is an interesting choice to turn into that bad guy. Um, I, you know, this is one of those things where I don't mind making certain changes to history and making Ludendorff go from uh, the guy that he was in World War One, which by this point in the war was just he, he had just lost his mind. He was rambling, you know, like, what have I done? What have I done? You know, like, he just, I mean, his memoirs are, are a mess after a certain point in the war. Turning him into this, like, I have to win at any cost, like, that's a change I can believe in. Um, but Diana makes a point um, when uh, the, uh, I think Steve, Ty, uh, yeah, Steve Trevor, um, Chris Pine's character, you know, tries to stop her from doing that assassination. She's like, it's, I see now, it's not just the Germans, you're all, you know, manipulated by Ares, to which I said, that's not really equivalent. Like, you, you could have had anyone on the Allied forces, didn't even have to be the British side, if you were really going to keep the British um, from being bad guys, because we never exposed the British for being bad guys, even though the British were pretty terrible during World War One. It would have been nice to see some actual, not, you know, either atrocity or, or something that would, ex, ex, you know, really explain and justify the both sides are actually bad. We, we see, you know, the, the two sides are never really made as equivalent, uh, especially because uh, Steve Trevor ends up being absolutely correct as to why he, she shouldn't have done it, because it turns out that Ludendorff isn't Ares. So the example that she uses to prove that both sides are the same is a guy, an individual, telling her not to do something that was factually the wrong thing to do. I, I think that was a mistake. I would have loved to see them tweak that a bit uh, to make it really hammer the point that they were trying to make home. Because that is, it's not one of those things where you could say, oh, but they're just changing history to make it work. They literally stated, oh, well, we're actually trying to hit that moral of both sides of the same. Well, then you have to add something that actually makes both sides the same. That's actually something I thought was a, a criticism of the film, that they did not make the most out of the World War I setting. So, so here's the thing. Here's here's why I, I pretty much disagree with you. That, that entire point of, oh, you know, Steve... Steve didn't do enough to, uh, Chris Pine's character didn't do enough to, um, you know, prove like, oh yeah, both sides are evil. But the problem is that Diana is living in a world where there is only black and white. There is no gray. That idealism, where she comes from Amazon is like, 
We the Amazons are here to defend the world from Ares. There is no gray. It's we defeat Ares and save the human race. That is her creed. That is her motto. That is everything she knows. That is everything that she has up until that point. She has not had the awakening that she eventually does have that, oh, yeah, like there is a gray world that exists here. So to her, and it, I thought it was done perfectly. It's very straightforward of my mission is to kill Ares. This is the person that I think is Ares. And you are trying to stop me from completing my goal, completing the thing I have been taught since birth is the most important thing to the Amazons, is to defeat Ares. That makes you, that puts you on his side. You, if you aren't with me, you're against me. Like, I don't crucify that. Sure, does it totally condemn all of Britain and all of the allies to, oh, you're just as bad as the Germans? No, but to Diana, who we've spent this entire movie building up this sort of naivety, you know, idealistic naivety, with multiple vignettes, it mm -hmm. makes sense. That moment makes perfect sense because her her end goal is right in front of her and this person that she has grown to trust implicitly is now standing in her way saying, no, that's not right. You can't do that. Um, and I think where it does fall flat is like, yeah, murder is kind of wrong. That should be kind of where it falls flat. Yeah, she but... has no problem with the fact that the allied forces are, are firing at the enemy forces and taking them all down and her, you know, her friends are going and comes blazing. Like it's it's very selective in when it decides to express its morality. It, it really, at the end of the day, it didn't have to be uh, Steve Trevor's character. You know, it didn't have to be Steve Trevor that was the problem. Any allied force in any point going out and, and killing people, and she all she'd have to do is, is along these trenches that they go and say, why are why are they doing this? I understand the Germans, but why why them? And him going, oh, it's complicated. This whole thing's complicated, and and. Well, he, you know, did, he did have that moment, and then they sort of followed her across no man's land because she was just like, "No, f this! Like, I'm going to yeah. save those people." But yeah, that's but that's the thing. It was like it wasn't just, "Oh man, these two people are fighting over nothing." It's like, well, the Germans are clearly bad because they kidnapped a town and enslaving them and mm -hmm. whatever else. It, it just, I, I guess, the way I would put it is, if you if you just wanted to have a bad guy side and you wanted to have that moment. There's no reason it couldn't have been, say, World War II. Now, Patty Jenkins has said in interviews the reason they didn't do World War II is because that would include, like, the Holocaust, and getting into that is, is very messy territory. That's fine. I understand that. But there are a lot of wars in which there's a clear bad guy that they could have used. Didn't have to be World War I. And if you're going to use World War I, and you're going to make the point that all sides are equal, they, they had plenty of examples to draw from that I think would have better justified that message than the one that they chose. Uh, it's not to say that the message doesn't land. I think her, you know, I, I think from a, ph a philosophical perspective, it makes sense that she would feel the way that she does. I just thought, like, you know, I, I'm someone, I'm always looking at how would the movie have been better to me? I think they could have landed that blow better. I think they could have met that point and, and, and done it in a way that was even more powerful and would have made the most out of the setting that they chose to have. You mean, you mean, spoiler, 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 spoiler. You mean not making Ares the British guy that's actually negotiating no, no, the armistice that was, instead? I love that. Like, that was awesome. That's when that was, they land the, that is when they land the blow of like, hey, guess what? <laughs> like, I mean, look, that blew that was great. my, because after she killed Ludendorff and nothing changed, I was like, oh, okay, it's the doctor. Like, oh, that's interesting. They're going to have a female. Like, they're going to have Ares be a female, you know, villain and then obviously turn male because in mythology, Ares is a man. 
Like, oh, that would have been, like, that would have been a nice swerve. And then they totally swerved me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the British guys. Like, I didn't, I did not see that coming. That was very well done. And Great. that, that I think is the, all your criticism makes sense if that moment in the movie doesn't exist. Where they're like, yeah, it's actually the British guy that's Aries. That's yeah, manipulating I mean, the whole thing. I mean, that's fair. I, they do, you know, they, I, like I said, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, quibble because i am a history nerd and i think that there are many ways that they could have used that source to you know because of the point she has that that moment is before she meets aries I, I feel like there's just a little bit more they could have done but let me be clear uh it does enough that when aries shows up it is awesome it is an awesome moment um and i think it was a a brilliant choice and an inspired choice to focus on war as these you know, subtle manipulations that lead men towards going for these these power struggles and these, you know, these kind of personal glory and, and all of that and really emphasizing that side of it. Um, Which is why I think I love that. World War One makes so much sense to continue building that narrative because World War Two, like, yeah, you can kind of say, oh, yeah, all these little things added up to World War Two, But at the end of the day, it was Hitler's kind of bad. We need to stop Hitler from taking over Europe, where World War One is is much more nuanced. They could have picked like the Civil War; it would have had that same you know strategic yeah. nuance to it. But you know, but the, yeah, I mean, well, that and that would have been a war that has um, that has a more clear good guy, bad guy side. There are a lot of wars they could have chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I I don't want to get mired down in the point. I just as a history nerd, I want to address it because I, I I know a lot about the time, and I do think there were things that they could have done. Um, but Ultimately, all that matters is that by the time we get to the villain, they, they handled war in the best way possible, which is not to have it be this giant, violent thing that's just wreaking havoc across the land. It's someone who, you know, with a subtle hand, kind of leads them step by step towards absolute disaster. And I think that's a really powerful message. I, I think that one of the things that we make a mistake of when we look at history uh, is looking at this as a, a black and white kind of tale of like there are only good guys or there are only bad guys and the bad guys are the ones that are that are trying to do war but they're they, you know they're not you know these you know the, it's not a gray area right it's that black and white dichotomy and I, I think that you know as you said it really matched Diana's arc in the whole thing that you had this um, black and white philosophy that felt like it had pervaded a lot of the movie to that point and you really hammered on like no it's gray it's really gray and and we have to accept that these aren't monsters that do most of the terrible things throughout history they're people and when you think at like you know nowadays we look back at things like say the Salem witch trials or whatever and we're like oh my god I can't believe that people would go in and, and watch people get hanged or you know any of these kinds of terrible things that people have done over the years and then you think about it like you know what if i was born in that time period chances are you were going to the coliseum and you would have gotten your popcorn and you would have really enjoyed watching people get torn apart by lions no, no like popcorn popcorn I mean, didn't exist <laughs> but you 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 know what i, mean. I know i know like I'm, it, I'm it, it, being it, historical but yeah i mean whatever um whatever snack they had at the time like that's just part of humanity and acknowledging that is really important because it makes her ultimate point, which is that love prevails, so much more poignant. 
Um, it's so, you know, it, I, I think that understanding that people have this good and bad element to them and that the majority of people choose good when ultimately pressed you know, when it matters most, that's so much more powerful of a message than here's a bad guy, they're bad guys, we stop the bad guys, go team. Um, and I, I think that especially now, I, I think that message is more important than ever in a world in which, um, you know, terror attacks uh, leave people trying to come up with explanations and looking for easy sources to blame and, and all these things. I think that taking that reflective look and understanding that it is more complicated and they are people just like us and we have to understand the parts of humanity that can lead us there and make the active choice not to embrace that ourselves and, and to stand up to that and, and to show love and compassion in those moments rather than hate or bigotry or whatever else. I, I think that, I mean, the timing really couldn't have been more perfect. Um, and I think, you know, Patty Jenkins has been on record saying uh, that too many people um, tend to go with this kind of cynical, sarcastic route in the movies now. Whereas the easiest way to get humor is to kind of, you know, nudge the audience like, hey, hey, I know we're in a movie here and we're going to kind of break a fourth wall and uh, and be a little cynical about how silly all of this is. And Wonder Woman's like, you know what? I don't care if it's silly. Love wins. Fuck you. Love wins. That's just how we're doing it. Either you're running in for it or, or, go, or go home. And at the end of the day, people are like, you know what? Love does win. You do win, Wonder Woman. Shout out to you. And that's the thing where like, if let me be clear, like I'm gonna have a couple criticisms of the movie, but none of it matters because it, it's genuine. It, it is a heartfelt film. It is a film that really believes what it's saying and, and says it outright without making any compromises, without making it like, oh, but you know, let's be clear that there are some some discrepancies. No, no, no. Love wins. Shut up. Love wins. That's just what we're doing, and it's great. And and that, like, that's so much. I, I think that's a powerful message in a way that separates DC from Marvel. Because Marvel doesn't ever want to go all in on that. They have to have the sarcastic quips. They have to have, you know, those kind of waking moments of the audience. And I love them. I do. I, well, it doesn't that, change the film. That, but, I guess, is a problem. Is like, what character does Marvel have that can be this genuine? Because it does seem all of the characters... Just... Captain America. Captain America is supposed to be the idealist, and in many ways he is, right? Civil War happens because he refuses to accept that, you know, his people need to, to step down because he's working for good, and he believes in his mission. He believes that, you know, his path is the best way to help people and that he will unerringly follow that path because it's the right thing to do. Now, Civil War is a movie that explains like, oh, well, maybe he's wrong to feel that way. And you have to explore both sides and understand the more practical element of it. And, and that's 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 a great thing, too. I'm not I'm not saying that every film needs to be as heartfelt and genuine and, and just. Love wins straight up, just roll with it, yo. But I think that it is great that, you know, DC is trying to differentiate themselves from Marvel. I love that they made this choice. DC's trying to differentiate themselves from DC. <laughs> I mean, that's too. Um, absolutely that too. And and you know what? I, you know, again, shout out to the writers and the, the director and, and, and to everyone who helped make this movie because they understood who Wonder Woman is. And I, I think they understood Wonder Woman in a way that I have not seen them understand Batman or understand Superman. 
they got this character and they embraced it all out, no compromises. And it makes for a film that is just really nice. It, it just makes me happy. I, I'm, I'm happy that it exists. I'm happy that they didn't feel the need to compromise things or kind of kind of draw that little bit. I'm, I'm glad that they made a film that I could just smile about when I left and that I smile about what I talk about. Even as I criticize it, I, I, I like, you know. It's, it's I nice. feel like that's just because, and this is where the outside pressure of it's a female-led superhero movie, it's a female director, there's a lot of, you know, pressure on this that it, it has to be successful, whether it, whether that's, you know, warranted or not, whether we need to, cre- you know, create this pressure on a movie and say this has to be this crazy political statement, it has to succeed, or else it completely diminishes the actual societal change that's going on in the rest of the world, whatever, it does seem like they just said, it's either going to succeed or it's going to fail. So we could take all these risks because either way, this is a zero-sum game. It either does well and we, we're going to be critically acclaimed across the board for it, or it completely flops and, you know, we, we damaged feminist movie history or whatever. So it did seem like they had liberty to do whatever they wanted, that they could go this genuine, they could go this very strong movie and take risks and, and do all these things, which, you know, some people will say doing this movie in and of itself was a risk, but I, I feel like that's sort of where you get this genuineness from, is that they were like, it's going to be what it is in the public eye. It's going to be success or a failure. There is no middle ground, so let's go, let's go full board. You know, my dad always says, don't go A to Q, go A to Z. And I think that they went A to Z with this movie. I think that's sort of the feeling that you're getting from it. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, it, 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 is, it saddens me to think that this movie was a risk. I think that this movie should have been a slam dunk that happened like a, a decade ago. Uh, Wonder Woman is an incredibly popular character. There's so much to her lore and to her history. And I, I think the idea that like, oh, well, it's led by a woman and directed by a woman. So therefore, it's a risk. I, I, I think that's kind of sad. I, I think that the Daily Show contributor, I, I'm forgetting her name right now, but one of the, the right, uh, people on the Daily Show had a segment where she basically said, you know, I can't wait for the time in which we can make a bad female superhero movie and then follow that up with another bad superhero movie the way that male characters are. Because guess what? Having a bad Superman movie didn't stop them from making more Superman movies, now did it. Um, and... And I, I think that's a really important point. I think that we shouldn't have to put, you know, this entire pressure of like, oh, well, this is a massive risk because there's a woman involved, so therefore it has to be the best thing. I, I feel like ultimately they just wanted to make the best movie possible. You know, whether, whether the movie was going to be a financial success or not, um, and, and I think at the end of the day you have to hope that the character and, and the work that you put in, you have to trust in that. Um, but But I feel like... It was less about like, oh, well, we have to, you know, respond to these pressures. So this is what we're going to do. And more of, look, we can only control so much. And what we can control is making the best film that we possibly can. And unlike, I think, the rest of the DC films that were trying to be different from Marvel, like starkly different. This is a different thing, with a different tone, different atmosphere, different cinematography, all that stuff. This movie was like, hey, you know what? Uh, we actually do like elements from the first Captain America movie. And we actually did like some elements from the Thor movie. And we also like 
the comic book elements from Wonder Woman. And we also like this this giant moral statement that we can make um, that we feel has power both in movie universe and in life as we know it today. And by drawing on all of those resources, they created the best film that they could. And again, not a perfect film, but a really, really good one. And one that I think is going to stand up uh, to you know, the, the test of time that we're still going to be watching in a way that we don't watch Thor or Captain America, the first movie anymore. I don't know any, I don't know many people who've gone back and rewatched those movies. I know I'm going to go back to rewatch Wonder Woman at some point. And I think that ability to really say something and trust in that message and let that message carry it makes it all the more powerful. That's fair. I, I can I can definitely agree with those sentiments. I haven't had an urge to go rewatch Iron Man or, or, or Thor especially, just because I'm not a huge fan of Thor as a character. It's one of those things where it pops up on TV, like, oh yeah, you know, Thor Iron Man one is on. Like, I'll watch it. Oh, the first Thor is on, I'll watch it. This definitely does have that kind of I, I mean I jokingly texted you like I kind of want to go watch it again. Like, right after yeah. I got out of the theater, I'm like, oh, now that I've watched it the first time, now I want to go back, and now I really want to watch it with this hugely critical lens because I really try to watch movies to enjoy them. Like, I didn't go into Wonder Woman being like, all right, let me break this down scene by scene. Like, I know I took AP Lit, but, like, I could, I could shut that part of my mind off and just sit back and enjoy a film. And this was, at its core, a film that you could just sit back and enjoy. Um, and I think one of the pieces to that was Chris Pine. As wonderful as Patty Jenkins was, as wonderful as Gal Gadot is, and we'll get to her in a minute, Chris Pine was fantastic. He was the perfect foil to... Oh, don't shake your head. Oh, okay, we're going to argue about this. Great. I thought he was the, the perfect foil to the sort of leading man in superhero movies. Like, this, obviously, the superhero was a woman. So how do you make the male sort of sidekick and i thought he did very well he did not overpower wonder woman he highlighted her her strengths and sort of tried to hide her weaknesses as much as he could and then when they separate that's when you truly see wonder woman's weaknesses this this naivety this idealism that when they have that moment she's like you're just as bad as the rest of them that's when all of a sudden that glaring weakness of it's she sees it in black and white and the world's not black and white. It's, it's gray. She has to figure out that there's this moral gray area where you have to accept some injustice to, you know, you can't, you can't stop everything. You can't stop every mugging. You can't stop every burglary, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when she finally gets that moment with, uh, with Ares at the end that sort of she has that moral, I don't know, thought bubble or whatever. Um, you shook your head, though. With Chris Pine, so so what were your what were your thoughts on Chris Pine? I mean, l let me be clear. Uh, I thought he was good. I think "great" is a word I will never use for Chris Pine. I've always described him as a, a serviceable actor. He he gets the job done. Um, but like in Star Trek, was he the best part of the Star Trek films? No. No. Um, he's not. He's just a. He's a good actor. I, I've never considered him a great one. I, I think that his performance in this, he he filled the role that he needed to fill, and I think. The role was was well written. I, I liked the way that you know, I, I liked his character. I, I thought that it did a very good job of kind of of being in this World War One, this this messy environment, but also you know having that idealism of his own. Right when the bosses tell him he's not going to go out there, and 
you know, Wonder Woman gets mad at him, like, I can't believe you're going to do it. He's like, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing because this is the right thing to do. You can do something or you can do nothing. And I tried doing nothing. Like, that's a great that, – that's a great kind of pairing with her optimism. It's not 100% like, oh, yeah, well, let's – we're going to beat evil all the time because he's seen it and he understands that it's more complicated than that. But he still has that hope. And I think that's important because – it is the thing that she falls back on when she's fighting Ares that there is reason to hope because people like him exist because people like Steve Trevor still care and are still willing to sacrifice themselves, sacrifice their own lives to save others. And that's, you know, if, if, if Ares is putting forth this idea of like everyone is bad and I'm just leading them to, to do what is naturally their, you know, their, their way of going about things, then how does a guy like Steve Trevor exist? And that's, huge and I love that I loved his arc um, I love the chemistry that they had um, he doesn't have the same screen presence as maybe another actor would have had in that role for me um, but that's a, a very minor quip uh, I, I would say the bigger problem I have with Steve Trevor's character um, and, and some of this like I understand that you're trying to emphasize the naivety of Wonder Woman's character from a philosophical bent but it, it does feel like in the second third of the movie, you know, once we get to London and, and kind of that whole section in particular, Wonder Woman stops being the protagonist in a sense of being the one whose behavior is directing where the film is going. It's Steve Trevor who gets her to meet the generals. It's Steve Trevor who takes her to the bar and gets the, the accomplices to go with him. And he's the one who knows all of them. And it's Steve Trevor who then arranges all of the stuff to get them over to the front in the first place. Like, all of that is Wonder Woman kind of being pulled along. And, and again, minor quibble. Um, it, it's a, it, it works as a plot device. But I think that in a film that, you know, maybe you're going to ban my comments, but I'm going to go into the feminist side of things. I, I, like, Wonder Woman is a feminist character. Her roots are deeply ingrained in that history. They were created by two hardcore feminists to serve their own political point at the time. I, I think that it would have been nice to give her maybe a little bit more agency in that part of the movie. To have, you know, why couldn't she have gone around town and seen somebody doing a, you know, a good thing, maybe standing up to a mugging or any, anything else and, you know, having him be this you know, character that Steve Trevor would never otherwise go with, but she's like, trust me, he's a good guy. Like that, like just that, a, a little bit, a little bit less Chris Pine would have gone a long way towards making her feel like she was the one who was in control of the story. Uh, like I said, I think the first third, she's certainly in control of her story. And the last third, she's in control of the story. That middle bit, it felt a little weird to me. Um, and again, Maybe that's me asking for too much. Um, maybe that's me. I, I I can certainly say that that is me nitpicking. But that that's like I, super. I with like, that's like super super nitpicky. Because yeah. okay, she gets to London. How she doesn't know anyone. She's been on an island in the middle of who knows where for her entire life. She doesn't know. All she knows is Chris Pine. She does need a guy to get through this society that she knows nothing about. I think the fact that she's the one who just walks into this room full of men and is like, no, who the hell are you? Like, I don't care who you are. Like, that is her moment of, this is me controlling the story of like, you men are all pathetic. You men are all weak. You need to go stop this. Why are you just sitting here on your laurels talking about, oh yeah, we'll just sign a peace treaty. Like, 
if that if that part of the scene doesn't exist, if he just goes in, he makes his peace, they say, no, you're not going to do that, and she doesn't have that moment where she's, like, yelling at him, like, how can you just kowtow to them, yada, 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 and he's like, no, like, geez, like, but, but she can't be, she can't go to the generals herself and be like, here's my evidence of why we need to do this, here's why we should, like, she needs... Chris, Pye. she needs Steve Trevor to be the one that sets that up. He is the one that sets it up, but she's the one that finishes it. She's the one that that convinces Ares, you know, Ares British personality to come to them and be like, okay, here, I'm gonna fund everything. Now, granted, it's his own evil master plan that we find out at the end, but at that moment, it's in the bar. He's basically saying, like, thank her, she's the one that convinced me to do it. So I, I think saying, oh yeah, Chris Pine is guiding her around London is like. Yeah, she's never been to London. But it's not okay. I, I think you're you're misunderstanding my my criticism. It's not that Possibly. none of that is good. I could have used ten to fifteen percent less of it. Like if I'd had fifteen percent less Chris Pine, I think you still could have had all of those moments because those moments are great moments. But like the bar scene is a perfect example of a scene that did not have to be so thoroughly led by Steve Trevor. You could have had Wonder Woman directly interacting with some of these characters and bringing them into the fold rather than them being all Steve Trevor's she guys. the dude's gun! I, that, okay, you're not, we're not. I get, I, I we, get we, where we're you're coming from, from, but like. We're, we're getting like, there's a difference between controlling the narrative and having a great character moment. Her character moments are great. And for the record, I am nitpicking because this movie's really good. Let me be clear, because I've said it many times. This movie's really good. I, I nitpick the same way that I would nitpick a Marvel film because this film was good enough to be in that conversation. And, and, and maybe the answer that some people have was like, oh, can't you just, you know, enjoy it for what it is and be glad that there's a good film? I did enjoy it for what it is. I do think it's a great film. I'm, I'm a very critical person because I view everything through that critical lens. I am one of those hyper-focused critics. And, and for me, I felt like there were a couple moments where she could have had the exact same character moments for herself still had more agency and still been more directing the plot more directly um, than what I felt like kind of became Chris Pine's movie for a little bit. It was, it was kind of felt like Chris Pine was the main character to the same level of Wonder Woman. Didn't feel as much like a sidekick to me. I can't think of a sidekick character in another superhero film that directed the plot as much as Chris Pine did in that film. Um, and, and again, may, maybe um, the, the reason that it stood out to me is that there were no female sidekicks in this film for Wonder Woman. Everyone that she interacts with once she gets to London is a male. The secretary is introduced very briefly and then discarded completely, which I thought was also a mistake. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her. I have a feeling that her character just got cut because they needed to make cuts for, the, for movie length. But... I mean, the fact that we have a Wonder Woman movie in which there isn't, like, once we leave Themyscira, there's not another significant female Chase, character. Chase, uh, like that's we're talking that, like 1915. Okay, so but it see, makes that's, sense. Okay, no, that's a problem for me because a, there were a lot of powerful women in 1915, especially you look at, um, you know, the number of, of advancements within the medical field. Um, they could have done a lot more with that and had a female character. If you look at World War One, it was not all men all the time, um, and, and but second of all, like. You have a movie where the whole point is this female character, would, you know, people keep telling her she can't do something and she does it anyway because she is powerful enough and, and you know, that we shouldn't judge people by those kind of appearances. And so if you're going to do that, 
why not have a female character that you shouldn't judge her appearance and that can transcend the thing and prove that she can hold her own with the men as well? It, like, it, it, it didn't have to be all men. Um, you know, it, I, it, we've seen in, in other superhero films uh, a mix of that and during wars or during periods of history in which it was significantly more male-driven, at least from what we know. Um, I think that there's a lot of historical criticism that now looks back on a lot of the writings and say that women probably had more of an influence on these things that we like to imagine because they just weren't the ones necessarily writing the histories down. And we could go into a whole giant podcast just on that alone. But if we're going to go with the rules of World War because it's a film and they can make whatever choices they need, well, then they could have chosen to have a female character outside of one that mattered after the first third of the film. Absolutely could have. I would have liked to see more of the secretary, for instance. I would have liked to see be one of the people that came along with uh, Chris Pine be a, a female character as well. It, they just chose not to do that. Um, and that's, I guess, fine. I, um, the, I just would have liked to see it. The problem I feel like is if, and, and this is not a, like, oh, they can't be too feminist. Like, I think them trying to add a, femi- a female sidekick in that time period doesn't make sense anywhere. It doesn't make sense. They're already, they're already meninists, Walter. They're already lugging one woman to the front lines of a war where women rarely went unless they were nurses. And even then they weren't on the front lines. They were back in field hospitals pulled miles away from the battle where they wouldn't be attacked. There was, you know, there wasn't this massive air force that would go and bomb, you know, in hospitals like that. Just, it wasn't really that realistic. Like, Women on the front line, when she says she wants to go to front line and Steve Trevor kind of has that, like, front line, like, when the guys in the bar have that, why are you going to the front line? Like, that is World War One. There were not very many women on at the front. So if you magically put in the movie, like, and then there's also this other woman that's doing these things on the front line, then it does feel like you're really pushing this this female you, you know what? You're forcing another character in there that I didn't think was necessary. Oh, Come on, man. If we, you know what also wasn't in World War One, a, a Greek god coming down and having a massive fight over an airfield with a poison that also didn't exist. You're in a world that you can create. You could have come up with a way to have a female character. And I, I hate that argument. I hate this idea of like, oh, yeah, well, there's clearly no way it could have been done. Of course there was a way that could have been done. They chose not to do it. You know, and I didn't fine. say there wasn't a way that it could have been done. But I, I'm saying it would have felt forced. It would have really felt forced. From everything I know about World War One and the role that women have played throughout history, it absolutely did not have to feel forced. Because the four male characters to one female character is something that we see in many films, and we constantly dismiss the idea of, well, you know, well, this is a history piece, so clearly we can't have another woman. No, you absolutely can. They could have made it two to three, and it still would have been more balanced in men's favor, and it wouldn't have impacted the film for most of the way through. Was there any reason that the trader dude, the, the the Indian trader who sells to both sides, had to be a man? Absolutely there isn't. Women were in that role all the time, especially during the war, because there weren't as many men around to do the shopkeeping kind of bits, because they were out doing the fighting. No reason that could have been a woman character. It would have been nice to see. I would have liked to see it. I would have liked to see another woman portrayed there, and I think there are other people that would have too. I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. I think that's why... Themyscira stands out as this really amazing part. We haven't even talked about the the opening third of the movie, which I thought was the best third of the movie. I thought the way they they built the world and and really went in on the the society and the lives of these people and you know the just the reaction to to being attacked and, and what that means and and how they're 
their lore and mythology really has has built the society. I thought that was awesome, and I enjoyed a lot of the female characters that were in that part. I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed Hippolyta's characterization. I enjoyed um, the general's name, uh, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Uh, Tephany, yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. And and those were moments where I like I wanted to spend more time with these characters. That's a character you could have absolutely. I mean, you couldn't have had a single Amazon come with her as like a, a bodyguard or whatever else. That Hippolyta was like, hey, you watch over her because I am worried about my daughter and I need you to make sure she's okay. Easily could have been the, done. The, the um, and I enjoyed those people quite a bit. The problem with that is that I. Like yeah, there's a way you can do that, but they didn't do like they didn't do enough to build a specific character other than the general's relationship with Diana. Like it would have just been like, oh, Hippolyta is like pulling just some ran. It would have felt like Hippolyta pulls some random Amazon out of a crowd to send with her out into the world when she doesn't even want her to go out into the world. I, I'm living in a world in which they could then build another character up to be her training partner. As she's practicing with the general, like, like again, I, I'm I'm talking about small tweaks that could have been made. Uh, they'd have to make like none of them could be done in isolation. You'd have to build that up, but I think they could have done it without making the piece any longer uh, and making the movie any longer. And they could have had that role there. And you could say that doesn't matter to me. That's fine. Um, you, you're allowed to to feel that way. Yeah. And I'm and for the majority of people, it's not going to be a thing. As a as a critic and as someone who would describe myself as a feminist and then wanted to see more of that, I would have liked to see it. Does that take away from the film being awesome? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't have done these things and that it wouldn't have been nice to see those things and, and, and that I would like to see the next film do more with that. Oh, I would I, love to I see, at the very see least, the next film we do that. need... Yes. yes. And, and that's absolutely. something that it, I think it needs to do. I, I think that... Finding a better balance would be important for that. I role. guess my worry, bringing in an Amazon character, bringing in a secondary sidekick character that's female, or, or for any part, it could have been a guy. Like, it could have been a, another male that, you know, Aerie sends with them that's supposed to be an opposing love interest to Steve, Ty Steve Trevor or whatever. Like, whatever. I'm afraid that having a second sidekick that has that much importance then detracts from the the relationship between diana and steve which i think was really important and i think some of your criticism is coming from you're not a big fan of chris pine yeah no like i said i could have used 15 percent less chris so, pine so here's... that 50 percent could have been spent on a female character that would have been that i would have liked to see much more than having chris pine be the so, biggest driving so, force. I I don't think he so, needed to be as big. So a this is a, this is a silly question. Would another actor have changed your opinion? And who would that actor I mean, have been? Or is I mean, it or is I, it a like? Eh, I wish I, think, I still wish there was another female sidekick. I mean, maybe another actor would have made it less noticeable. But ultimately, like I, I felt like they gave a lot of power in the narrative to a single sidekick. I think that power could have been spread out. A little bit more, and still had the love angle there. You the still have this romance kick. that pervades through, but like, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason that, you know, during you know the the fight in in London, for instance, when the the German guys get in, like, did it did it have to be 
Chris Pine that was that was part of that fight. There could have been another person involved in that fight. It wouldn't have made the narrative all that much different. Did it have to be Chris Pine that was picking the people that were going to come with them on the journey? No, it didn't have to be that, and it wouldn't have affected the, the tale all that much. There are just little points there where, in my opinion, they could have left a hole for something else that I might have enjoyed a little bit more um, and that I felt wouldn't have been quite that big of a deal. Look at, for example, Steve Rogers and the... Uh, in, in the um, in the Captain America film, okay. uh, Bucky Barnes, okay. right? Bucky is the sidekick of that film, the character that comes with Captain America from the beginning. But there is no point in which Bucky is the guy that is leading Captain America to where he needs to be. Captain America is making, you know, Steve Rogers is making all of the choices for himself, and he's, you know, that choice is to follow orders from the generals. But the people that are driving those decisions are from multiple different places. First. It's, you know, it's the, the guy that recruits him, then it's the people that end up making him into a super soldier, then it's the general on the front, and then it's ultimately himself, even when it costs Bucky Barnes' life because of that regard. It's, it's spread out. In Wonder Woman, it's all on one character, and it makes that character, in my she opinion, a little bit... She needs a guide. Too she doesn't exist in that world. She never it, had. She knows nothing about it, and it, she needs someone that is guiding her through the world of men. Yeah, and, and you need that person. He didn't have to also be every other part of that. He could have been the guide in that initial bit that they did need. Absolutely, they needed that. But, like, for example, the secretary, who also knows London, could have introduced her to somebody that would have been good for the cause in the mission. That would have been very easy to do and would have given the secretary a bigger role in the plot and would have justified the inclusion of the secretary character, who, for the record, has no reason to be in this film as it's currently written. Um, it, she is absolutely uh, inconsequential outside of that one Wonder Woman puts on clothes ha 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 well, scene. I, I agree with I bet not, there, were, there were more scenes with her and they got cut. Like I, I in all yeah. honesty agree that they were like these scenes have to get cut and they probably kept the ha ha you know dress scene in there because it was in the trailers and they thought it was a good moment. Like they kind of had to right. keep it in there. I totally agree like the secretary does seem inconsequential across but, the but, two but, moments. But that's just an example of how it didn't have to be Chris Pine's character to still fulfill that role. That is, a, that is an example of a character who could have played a role that was the role that I'm talking about, and it didn't have to be Chris Pine. So, and it still would have been a guide. It still would have been leading her through London. It still would have been helping her get used to this new world. There, there are ways to write it. Um, my I my guess is my final counter to all of that is that Steve Trevor is the reason that Wonder Woman beats Ares. He, he is the soul, like you said earlier, the hope, the love conquers all, that is his death. Him being the one that's willing to sacrifice himself for everything, you have to build him up to be that important to Diana. And like, just having a night in a hotel room with her doesn't do that. He has to be her guide. He has to be the wise mentor essentially into the world of men you have to build him up to be this immensely important piece of diana's life so that when he does die you have the the moment where luke goes crazy and starts shooting at stormtroopers because darth vader kills obi-wan you have to have that moment of realization with her where she's like you know he's gone he and it's hard to explain, but you have to have that moment where that person that was so important to her and so important to her growth disappears, where then she has that inward moment of, wow, 
that's that's hope. That person was willing to risk his life to save all of these people, despite the fact that you know mankind is terrible, despite the fact that they're willing to do this all to each other. He, as you said earlier, is the shining beacon that completely denounces what Ares is saying, that all men are evil, that they don't deserve it. You have to build him up. If he's a secondary character and he's battling for this level of importance in Diana's mind, then that that moment isn't as impactful. Then it is more of a stretch of like, oh, well, he's the reason that she's going to say love conquers all or, or whatever. So he needs to almost be at the same level as Wonder Woman throughout the story for it to make sense. Their combined powers, essentially, are what beat Ares, not just Wonder Woman, you know, brooding and bopping and, you know, doing all of her stuff. So I, I, I understand your criticism. I get, yeah, maybe a secondary, you know, female sidekick would have been great. That could have been a way to make the movie better. But at the expense of trimming away the importance of Steve Trevor, who is the turning point for Diana, the turning point of it's not black and white, it is gray, I think that undermines that moment at the end, which I think is really, really powerful. And my argument would be you could do that with 80% of what you had with Chris Fine. You could still have all the big moments and the big beats. There were a lot of moments that he didn't have to be the guy and that it didn't add to the relationship that they had. It was just this kept the plot going. And those moments are the ones that I'm talking about, not the character moments. I'm not talking about touching the character moments. I'm talking about the mechanics of the film to get things going when there weren't character moments. Uh, those are the things that I would have liked to see more of. Um, but and again, my, my argument would be Bucky Barnes was nowhere near as impactful as Steve Trevor was, even though they both served the same purpose of their deaths inspire the hero to do the big hero thing. Um, but they, they both fill that narrative role, but one of them gets way more screen time than the other one. And it just so happens that it's the one in which we have a female superhero. Just I'm just saying, like, that's, you know? It, it, you know, I'm just saying it's it's it it is something that I I think is is worth pointing out. I think that it is not it is not improper to point that out. I think you're reading into it just a scotch, but we've gone 55 minutes without even talking about Gal Gadot. Yeah. Damn, she was good. Yeah. Damn, she was good. She's Every good. aspect she- of the character. I thought was pretty damn flawless. I, I, you know, I can't think of anything that I would have changed about Wonder Woman, the character necessarily. You, you sound not yeah. so convinced, but yeah. Well, no, it's it's not. Um, I, I don't know the right word to describe Gal Gadot. She's she's a very captivating presence. Um, I, I find her to be this actress who stands out against most stereotypical Hollywood actresses, right? You know, like Scarlett Johansson is, is a very, you know, stereotypical, what we imagine to be a, a female Hollywood celebrity actress, you know, and this, you know, how she pronounces things and in, in her, you know, her presentation in, into the world and how she carries herself like this. That's just kind of what we expect. Gal Gadot is a very different kind of mannerism. And I'm sure some of that is that she's from uh, Israel and that it is really, you know, upbringing and how that culture kind of would affect her as a person. Um, I found that her delivery of lines, um, they didn't necessarily sound like quite what you'd expect, but it was weird in a way that's captivating. It's like, whoa, she's she's interesting. She's different. She's a different kind of presence that when you get in those roles most of the time. And I love that. I, I love that um, because it really helped Wonder Woman stand out. It wasn't just that it's this woman standing out among men. It's this actress 
who truly does stand out and, and carries that, that same importance. And so she carries the weight of the role, I think, very well. Um, I, I think Movie Bob described it best when he said, I'm not sure whether it's a good actor or not. I can't really tell um, because she's such a captivating presence that I don't really care. Um, and I think that's a great way to describe it. From a technical acting perspective, there are things you could point to and be like, is that really like the best way to read that line? Or is that the way that we, we usually think of a, a character doing in, in that particular spot? And the answer is, I, I don't know, but it's really interesting that the choices that she makes. And that's ultimately all that matters is that she's really just interesting. And, and I, I, I don't think there's anyone else who has, I can't think of any other actress like her. I can think of other actresses that have filled a role that Scarlett Johansson has played. I don't know anyone who's like Gal Gadot. I don't know. I don't know anyone who fills the Gal Gadot role. Um, and that's, and that really helps her stand out. And I think it helps the movie stand out that it is this single captivating presence that serves at the center of it. And she is captivating. Um, and not just through the, uh, you know, the male lands, she's, she's super attractive. I love the way the secretary has that line of like, yeah, sure, put glasses on her. We'll pretend she's not the most attractive woman in the room. Um, that's, that's a great line. And I love the homage to Clark Kent there with the glasses. Um, it's just a really great moment. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's one of those things where like, you know, yeah, she's that kind of presence. And of course, in a, in a Hollywood film, you're going to hope that the actors and actresses are, you know, this super attractive, whatever that's superhero movies are idealistic. And that, that makes sense. But just again, the way that she just carries the role is, is so uniquely captivating. Uh, that I, I can't think of any other actress you put in that regard that plays the, that, that same role. She, she has made herself indispensable to it in a way that is really awesome to see. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm struggling to think of a, another character uh, in a superhero film that, you know, I, you know, there are great actors that are chosen um, that, that fit the role really well, but that like she, she, there's just something different about her, and I, I, it's hard for me to pin down what it is. But I can't wait to watch more of her films and and see where her career goes from here and get a better handle on what it is that I find just really striking about her. Because it's it's more than just carrying herself the way that actresses do. We've had actresses that have done that before. She's got this different screen presence and, and charisma to her that I think is really interesting. She has a, I, I, I don't know. She has a physical presence. And I, this is not attractiveness. We are, already said, very attractive woman. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. She has a physical presence where mm -hmm. you are drawn to her stance. You're drawn to how her body is moving from a, a kinetic type of, of way. When she is fighting, it is a physical beat-em-up style. It, I don't want to say male because it's not masculine. It's a mm -hmm. physical presence though it is a strength it is muscular and mm -hmm. that is what was so awe-inspiring to me was even when they do the close-up glam shots of her where her hair is perfect her makeup's perfect she's not sweating like anything like that where it's like i'm still beautiful it's not the beauty that i was interested in it was like the chiseled way her face looked it was that every time you look at her even in batman versus superman she stood out against Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill in a physical way. Not, again, not beauty, but just a pure, she is standing confidently. She is standing strong. She is standing like she has muscle and bone in her body. 
it's not sultry. It's not sexy. It is, I am a human being. I am built like a human being. Here's my presence. I am taking up space in a way that I think is where you're sort of getting that, that captiveness that you don't get from other uh, female actresses. It, it's sort of like when Ronda Rousey walks into a room. Like, Ronda Rousey's pretty attractive, but you're looking at her and you're seeing a person that has muscle, a person that has a stance, a person that walks with purpose. I think that was what I took from her as an, an actress and why I like Wonder Woman so much as a character is that it is so different from other female superheroes. Um, I mean, if you watch, like, Supergirl, like, Supergirl doesn't have that same presence in a scene that, that Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman did. So that that was my takeaway. Um, I guess I didn't notice the, like, technical actor stuff. I just thought that she played the character very well in their their choicing of framing and their choicing of camera angles. And it was, it was, we're not shying away from the fact that she's a woman, but we're also showing that she's a superhero and she's really effing strong. I don't know. It was, it, 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 it's like a weird way to put it. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of what I think makes her stand out to me is her line delivery, the accent that she has. It's it's this Israeli accent, but it's not quite like the traditional Israeli accent that we think of when we think about you know Jewish people and how they've been presented in the media before. Um, and it makes just the sound of her voice and the the way that she pronounces words and where she chooses to put the inflection on her senses. I think that side of it, like, yes, the physical presence is great, but I also think those moments are, are captivating in their own way. I, I don't, like, when she's on the screen and then having these conversations, you're just kind of, I don't, I don't know, it, it's more interested than I would be in maybe another actress in that role because there's something about the way that she's presenting herself and where she's, you know, the, the accent that she has and and, and the just the way that carries her her speech patterns and also her just personality in general, I think really stands out. Um, and I, and I love that. Um, and I love, you know, that they accentuated that same idea of Diana standing out as a person, uh, to Diana standing out in the fight scenes by really accentuating the lasso usage, which I really want to emphasize was an inspired choice, and I love it. Because guess what? We already have someone that does shield, uh, shield tricks. That guy's called Captain America. Uh, we have plenty of people throughout all of uh, you know superhero films and other films that have used swords. You know what I haven't seen on a big screen before? Sick lasso play. Oh my god, it was so cool. Just the way that you know the you know wrapping around people's <laughs> legs and, and using. I mean, but okay, he had a whip, and it wasn't quite to the use of this like, near the same extent. I know. Uh, this I is a uh, smart ass. Th this was something else. I, I thought that you know the way that the lasso of, of truth was used to um, you know set up the narrative. I thought was a really nice framing device, and the way that it was used in battles, it looked really fucking awesome, man. Like I, that was the one thing about her style that just really made it feel like Wonder Woman rather than just another superhero film. Like, like let's be clear, like the moment where she jumps up into the bell tower and smashes through and takes out the sniper. Like that's an amazing shot, but it's you know that's a shot where it's like that's just a great superhero. That's a great shot. superhero shot, yeah. But but there are some like great Wonder Woman only shots when you get to the way that the lasso is used. That really like those are the ones that that stand out to me. I, I think that you have really three action sequences that really stood up. Um, you have the opening scene at Themyscira, 
which is really nice seeing the Amazons all charge into battle and then experiencing these bullets for the first time and, and you know, seeing just the, the insane archery on display. I, I like, as again, history nerd, I, I love like the Rome Total War and then ancient Greece and whatever else. Like the fact that they were all fighting in that hoplite style, like I will absolutely mark out for that to use uh, the wrestling term. Um, I thought the, you know, the no man's land was obviously amazing. Um, and, and that entire sequence going forward. And then obviously the, uh, the, the last shot, which is, you know, the, the big climactic fight with Ares. I think those three sequences were sequences that stand out and, and stand out to me in the same way that the best sequences from any other superhero film that I can think of stand out. They're really well done. And they're all uh, Especially different. the No Man's Land. Yes. They're all and different. Like you said, the first one, the, 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 it was very tactical. You know, we have Antipony saying shield and jumping over a shield, and that's how she gets the three Germans behind the rock. Like, it was a very, this is organized combat, you know, in, in ancient times. Then the second one, obviously, you have uh, the crossing of no man's land. You have the moment where there's the sniper in the tower. That's more of more modern kind of house-to-house type skirmishing. Um, and then you have the final one, which is like, we're just going to have two gods duke it out and and that felt like a fight between two gods in a way that as much as we have the criticism of batman versus superman the fight between superman and batman and the armored suit like felt like superman versus batman in an armored suit like that truly was a fantastic fight scene and like you could tell Ares is not trying to really hurt her until the very end he's like come on stop it i'm gonna throw things at you like he's stop having your temper tantrum come on and yeah. then the the switch flips where he's like oh shit you actually believe that all right i gotta kill you now like oh well we could have had a great thing diana but you know what now it's time for me to kill you now it's time for me to take the gloves off and, and go after you the whole when he like rips the helmet open and, and makes it so it's actually a hel- Ares helmet it just Man, their choreography. And, and like I said, just three different, four different battle scenes, essentially, where it's four different pieces of war and time, and, and they portrayed it so elegantly, and it, and it makes war look like hell. War yes. absolutely looks like hell because of this movie, but it's done in a very elegant way, where it is showing you this is why each aspect of it is hell, from, you know, you see all the Akmarks in in no man's land to like you said the visceral reaction where in world war one germany had bullets even going into world war ii when germany invades poland you still got guys mounted on horseback that are using like you know single shot carks against machine guns and tanks like it showed all these different aspects of war to the finality of the master of war is just brute strengthening throwing tank you know throwing cars and oil tanks and Oh, the fight scenes were incredible. I, I really enjoyed them. They were really well done. And I, I think that especially the, the Ares one um, did a very good job of illustrating why Thor The Dark World did not land with people the way that this film is going to. Uh, let's let's do a test, Walter. Who is the bad guy in Thor The Dark World? Some random Remember his name? dark elf from some random, I don't know, fifth dimension. I don't remember. Uh, his name is Malekith. And I could have given you 20 minutes and you wouldn't have guessed it. I never would And that says, 
And that says a lot about the way that it was presented, right? Um, you know, he was, you know, Malekith in that sense is this, you know, in a lot of ways, same role that Ares theoretically plays. It's a force of, of nature, of mythology that is supposed to have this large impact at this time and, and really, you know, destroy the world or at the very least manipulate it in some meaningful way. But while Malekith, um, we didn't have any real setup as to who he was outside of that initial explanation and, and serves only to be this like set piece. Ares is Ares feels like the culmination of the story that we've been seeing. Ares is the embodiment of all of the themes that have pervaded throughout the film and pervaded them in a strong way that that then, you know, has this overall message that I think really lands. And when she overcomes the philosophical side of the argument is when she overcomes the embodiment of that argument. And and that's her growth and her realization. You know, that's that's really awesome to see. Um, I really, really loved the way that that was set up. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, I, I, I think is just going to stand the test of time. I think we're going to remember that Aries turn and, and what that meant longer than we're going to remember any of, of, of some of these other these other characters. I think this I think this movie's going to pervade, and I think it's not going to just be for the action sequences. So I'm not I'm never going to forget that um, the No Man's Land fight. Um, that that's going to stand in my mind. I think more than any of the other moments of the film because it is just so well done. If you just I mean for nothing else, uh, go see that sequence uh, in theaters. That is an incredible incredible shot. Shout out to Patty Jenkins, amazingly done. Um, just every angle on there is so purposefully chosen and the you know from the moment crossing no man's land getting into the trenches getting into the city going through these buildings and then you know eventually getting to the sniper tower it gets through so many aspects of, of world war one combat and overcoming it and so many different challenges and so many different approaches with which wonder woman you know gets you know uh, you know powers through these things it's just so well done, and I, that comes down to a very competent director, and that comes down to a very, uh, you know, great work from Gal Gadot to to play that role and and to carry those fight scenes in a way where you believe that she could absolutely do these things. That speaks to the presence you mentioned earlier, and and shout out for you know the writers and and fight choreographers and everything else that really accentuated this fight scene in a way that felt very uniquely Wonder Woman. This is a Wonder Woman fight scene and the fight scene that only Wonder Woman could have had. And they made the most of all of those tools to Wonder Woman's arsenal to make something that is really memorable. Uh, you know, the Ares fight scene, I, I don't know if it's going to stand up as much. I think Ares will stand up more than that fight scene will. I think that the th that No Man's Land fight, I'm still going to be thinking of when people talk about Wonder Woman 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's that's a sequence that's up there with, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. collapsing on itself at the end of Captain America Winter Soldier or, you know, the, the massive uh, airplane fight, uh, the hangar with all the heroes in Iron Man Civil War or, or whatever, you know, like, or, or the, uh, the great train moment in Spider-Man 2. Like, like, that's that moment that just pervades everything where even if you don't know the film, even if you're not, like, you know, 100% passionate about it the way that you and I clearly are, um, you're going to remember that shot. It's going to be something that kind of pervades in, in kind of the the popular culture, and is going to influence shots that come after it. 
I think that that's something that I don't think we've been able to say about a, a DC film before. For for a while, we've been hoping that Marvel would influence DC. I hope that Marvel learned something from that fight scene because that was really good. That yeah. was that was awesome, and it did a great job of taking the character. It's it's really hard though to re-emulate that fight scene for anyone because the no. I I think as much as it encapsulates Wonder Woman. That fight scene is so incredibly World War One, and I don't want oh, any yeah. other superhero film to go to World War One. No, like, if you fair. go to World War One now in any superhero film, you're just doing it because Wonder Woman did. Like World War One is now off yeah. limits for anyone to do anything, except maybe DC if they want to do something else that's like tangential. Like, oh, well, Wonder Woman was doing this thing, this other hero was doing this thing over here, and it like makes yeah, sense. No, in no, some no. Way. I, that's I, fine, I, I don't but... want it to be a direct rip of the World War One part, but I think just the angles with which it was shot, the technical directing. Um, that we're talking about the the camera angles that were chosen, um, the the choreography of individual fights, um, those moments I think, and and really just trusting something like the lasso, which sounds weird if you haven't seen it, but trust me, if you're listening to this and you're like, really, the lasso is that cool? Yeah, the lasso is that cool. Trust me, lasso you're gonna is love it. Cool. It's really good. And, and that's something like, you know, there are many superhero characters that have those kinds of elements and, and making the most out of those moments and, and helping them really stand out and, and setting it up in a way that it can really stand out, those set pieces matter. And I think that set piece in particular has, has stood out to me as a perfect embodiment of why this film is awesome. Because it's a strong female hero overcoming what seemed like just an impossible set of obstacles and, and, and doing so in a way that is so perfectly her while also having this grander point to say about World War One, about the way that the sidekick characters are, are kind of engaging in that, you know, in that battle. Um, I, I just think it's all really well done. And like I said, I, I have nothing but respect for the people who made it. I, I think they made a really, really nice film. And I can't wait to see where they go. I, I hope, um, you know, the, the DC's <coughs> talked about um, Patty Jenkins. They're still... You know, they ha are probably going to start negotiations at some point. They haven't started them yet. Um, but they're they're going to make a Wonder Woman 2. Uh, that's already been announced. Gal Gadot's going to keep doing this thing, which, of course, we, we should hope so. The movie's doing super well. I hope that they keep Patty Jenkins on. I, I really liked what she did here, and I would like to see more from her as a director in general because I thought she did a very good job. So... So last question, because we've been at this for an hour and 15 minutes now. And I, in all honesty, we could go watch the film again tonight and then come back and probably do another two hours of just, like, actually breaking it down, breaking it down. Yeah, La last, que <laughs> last question, though. Because, much like Marvel, everything was building towards Avengers once we realized, oh, holy crap, they're going to do the Avengers. We know they're doing Justice League. We know they're filming it currently. Has this built towards Justice League enough for you? And has this sort of changed the stigma that we had about DC before the film to, are you excited for Justice League? Is it that you have a little bit more faith that Justice League might be a good movie? Or do we think this is going to be the oddity that stands out and it's going to go back to normal once we put it back in Zack Snyder's, you know, partial hands? Well, um, to, to put it bluntly, um, last week, while Wonder Woman came out, uh, they announced that Justice League is now going to have to go through about three months of reshoots, which is really not a good sign. 
That was the same thing we heard about Suicide Squad. That was the same thing we heard about Batman versus Superman. Uh, there are production issues that are, are becoming apparent, and some of that is just uh, what happened with uh, with Zack Snyder, which is just a terrible the change of director and, and producer thing. Yeah, that usually but will cause it. That's not from from what they've stated. There are other problems. Uh, mostly, they're going to try to. I think they're going to make Wonder Woman a bigger part because Wonder Woman's being so critically received well. So they are rewriting bits of the script and to kind of highlight those elements, which can lead to a messy film. Uh, that requires a deft hand with editing that I have not seen DC use to this point very well. Um, I think that the reshoots that they've done, like, I don't know what the original product would have been, but I think that you could tell that there were reshoots with Batman versus Superman and with Suicide Squad. I think it stands out, and I think it uh, it, it hindered those films, you know, those production issues uh, showed in the, in the final piece. I, I think that my favorite part of Wonder Woman is that they didn't worry about setting her up into the largest game of the DCU. They told her story. There were no post-credit scenes. There was no stinger in which they they talk about, oh, well, you know, this is what's going to happen in the next movie, so let's preview that, like the way that every Marvel film does. They're like, no, this movie stands up on its own. This is a movie that whether or not the rest of the DCU is successful, this movie is going to be really good. And I think that's super important. I think that not every film has to build in to that overall narrative. We know, because we see Wayne Enterprises at the beginning, and we know who Wonder Woman is, and these other movies have come out, we know that Wonder Woman fits this larger role within the DC universe. We don't need to have her explicitly have some scene in the post-credits where it's like, oh, now she meets up with some random Batman character or someone in, in you know, the like, have some tease of, like, is Superman really dead? We're not sure, because guess what? Superman's not going to be dead for very long, guys. Um that's something that you know they could have done but i think it would have taken away from this story and i'm really glad they didn't make that choice i think that the biggest flaw that movies that are trying to embrace this continuity trend can have is embracing continuity for the sake of continuity uh this is why the mummy uh reboot that was just came out has gotten such poor critical reviews um it's apparently garbage and a lot of that is because they spent a lot of time building up this dark universe that they Fraser, isn't didn't they? yeah Brendan well, that's that that's the real reason. That's not the, the, the biggest criticism. The biggest criticism has been that they decide for like 30 to 45 minutes, hey, forget this cool mummy shit that's happening. Let's talk about this weird society, this agency that's doing paranormal. I mean, do the meme. That's fine. But but you're I mean, you're asking me about continuity. So I think we, we need to accentuate like that was a continuity thing. And I think that it is it is great to see. Uh, a film that is not afraid to be its own film and trust that you're going to understand that she's going to play this larger role in the DCU without hammering it in with like, oh, by the way, here she's coming up with this thing. Like, let's tease the next film and make it kind of an advertisement for well, that, which is something that they absolutely did in Batman versus Superman. It was one of the dumbest things they did in that film, having, oh, look, here's a flash drive where we're going to preview the next five or six movies that we're going to make. That was terrible, and I hated it. And so I appreciate the restraint that Wonder Woman showed. I thought that that made the film overall a better film. I would like for maybe Marvel to learn a little bit from that. Not every film has to have a post-credit sequence that ties into the next one, guys. Ooh, okay, okay, awesome. here, here's the problem. Marvel has made that the expectation, though. You sit through the credits sure. of a Marvel film because you're like, all right, I want to see the, the tie-in for the next movie. Like, that has become an expectation. And for them not to do it would be more of like, whoa, like, that's weird. Like, 
Wonder Woman doesn't right. need to do it because Mar Marvel created that because they were teasing it. We're going to do the Avengers. We're going to do the Avengers. We're going to do the Avengers. Like, now, it's the work. Like, we know they're going to do Justice League. We, we know that they were going to do it. Like, they couldn't have made it any more obvious that they wanted to do Justice League when they did Batman versus Superman. When they said, we're going to do this, like, Marvel's doing great. They've done the Avengers. Of course they're going to do Justice League. Of course DC and Warner Brothers want the money. Like, so... The, the Now I get that, oh, you don't need to do it, but Marvel has created an expectation. Like, yeah, we're not doing it because we want to be sneaky and, like, throw some Easter egg in of, like, ooh, what's the next movie we're doing? And now they're doing it because, I mean, like, it's an expectation. They're, they're absolutely doing it because they want to tease the next movie and they want to have those little Easter egg moments. That's how, like, you, you didn't have a scene with Howard the Duck because it was going to be an important thing that, you know, like, they, they've done a lot of stuff purely for gags for the hardcore fans right. or to set up the next film. Right. And, and for the record, every DCU film before this did that as well. Batman vs. Superman had a post-credit scene. Suicide Squad had a post-credit scene. They chose not to do it with Wonder Woman. You're saying if that's the expectation, DCU had also created that expectation. They chose not to do it here. And you're saying, oh, that's different, that's weird. Yeah, it was different, it was weird, and I liked it. I liked it because it felt like this was DC trusting this film to stand up on its own merits. It didn't have to play into this other film to feel like it had value in its role within the universe. I think that is important. I think that is a nice lesson to see. And I would like to see at some point, like, for example, the one that I'm going to see is Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel should not have a post-credit scene. I think that if Marvel really wants that film to stand up and say, hey, uh, we know that we fucked up and postponed like the one great female hero that we have, our best-selling character uh, via digital comics, by the way, and didn't put that movie out until like 2019, I think is when it's estimated now. They keep delaying it, which is kind of shitty on their part. But like when they finally do it, let's let that film stand up on its own. Let's let that film be a film that people can really get into. Not everything has to play into this larger scope of things. If you go read Marvel comics, not every comic is leading to another event comic. Some comics are one-shots that tell a story on their own and, and wrap themselves up nicely and neatly. And those stories are able to be told, too. And I'm glad that Wonder Woman realized that. I think you're being overcritical. But that's just me. No, I, look, I, I'm praising Wonder Woman for it. If no, I'm that's like, that. No, no, no. I, I think, I, I I think it. it's praiseworthy. I mean, look, I, yes, I'm being critical. I'm, I'm a critic. That's my job. I mean, they, if you like, like I said, the overarching feeling on this movie was wholly positive. If you're just looking for the non-critical response, I thought this was a very good film that everyone should go see. The action bits were great. The performances, the acting performances were really well done. The the plot and the pacing as a whole were well done. Um, it had some flaws for me, uh, but those flaws did not impact my enjoyment of the movie. And I think overall, the the message at its core is one that. I love and respect and think is so important to the modern world as it stands today. That, like, it, that, that is the most important thing. And I think what makes Wonder Woman, to me, such a great film and something that I, I'm really going to stand, you know, have say with me uh, as things move forward is 
I feel comfortable criticizing it for these little things the way that I feel comfortable criticizing Marvel films for those little things because the film is good and we can all accept that it's really good. So let's talk about these little things that could be tweaked to be better for the second one because I want there to be a second one. I'm so excited for Wonder Woman 2. I'm really excited now for this character to see more from her and more from this director. And and really, ultimately, that's what a movie should do, Until right? Until they ruin her in Justice League. Oh, stop it. I mean, I I know I'm ignoring that. I can look. <laughs> you can ignore it all you want. We know the reality of what's gonna happen. Look, future me can deal with that later. Current me is hoping DC get that contract with Patty Jenkins. Let's get this shit out there. Wonder Woman two, 2019 or 2020. Let's make it happen. I'm so hyped. I think you've done a really great job. And I hope that the lesson you take from this is that when you put one of your comic book characters out there on the screen, and instead of trying to make it fit what you think is this dark, edgy tone that is going to appeal to people, you let that character be its character and embrace it for everything that it is, you get an audience that really loves it and goes out to see it and has uh, the one of the best uh, box office openings that a superhero film has ever had. $300 million worldwide in one week. Um, didn't necessarily domestically do as well as some other superhero films, but did well internationally to a crazy extent. And it's going to make them so much money. And for the record, I think that this is a film that's going to have an, a great second week as well because word of mouth is going around like, hey, this isn't like the other DC movies. This is actually really good. Go see it. Like That's going to matter. And I, I think this movie is going to be a success across the board. So DC, take those lessons to heart, man. This is this is your chance. You can hit the reset button right now and go with this and run with this idea. And I swear to God, if you try to ruin and attack the mascara, I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm coming at you. Don't do this. You've created something that is wholly good. Let us have it, please. Let us enjoy this. It's really nice. Keep doing things like this. I, I'm happy to give and, you my money if you keep doing things like this. And uh, and and might I say, no, come on, we're gonna keep giving them our money because they're superhero movies, whether they're good or bad. We want to go watch them and then talk about them for an hour and a half. I I, I did video. not uh, I did not pay any money for Suicide Squad or Batman vs Superman. I refuse to give those my my ticket. I watched it later. Oh, I, I will not. I did not see those movies in theaters, and I will not see bad films in theaters. But I will go see Wonder Woman in theaters, and I might go see it twice. So, I think there are a lot of people like me who are, well, you know, might I, willing might to wait I suggest after you've seen Wonder Woman for the second time, uh, go see Captain Underpants. <laughs> oh man! Apparently, that was the second best movie of that weekend because the other movies out are shite, and as we've heard, the Mummy is shite. So, do yourself a favor: go watch something that's just good old-fashioned humor. Go, go watch Captain Underpants. I read a lot of reviews, and people are are enjoying it for for what it is. That's like my brother's childhood. I remember reading those books to my younger brothers. So, yeah, go go see that. Don't waste money on Pirates of the Caribbean. Johnny Depp needs money for his divorce lawyer. Or The Mummy. <laughs> Brendan Fraser's not in it, so this is obviously going to be bad. Uh, but all that said and done, I think we're, we're, we're kind of tempered excitement for Justice League. And, you know, when it fails, we'll be here and we'll spend an hour and a half saying why it's a terrible movie and why Marvel is better and good God, they ruined Wonder Woman. Oh, why, oh, why? Just let Patty Jenkins, uh, just, just, just Wonder Woman. No more, no more DC movies other than Wonder Woman. Let's just do, do Wonder Woman. Um, and that being said, that has been a podcast. I'm, uh, 
You can find us on Twitter. I'm Walter C80 Svechuk at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at Redshirt King. Um, I, I think um, I, I'm very interested to see what you guys think. Uh, Walter's made it clear uh, no comments about feminism or SJWs in the comment section, so bring them to me because I think there's a larger conversation about those aspects to be had. And I think that it's uh, you, you cannot talk about Wonder Woman, in my opinion, without understanding its incredibly hardcore feminist roots and, and being able to discuss it and how it has that role within the scene. So I want to have those conversations. So if you want to hit me up on Twitter, we can get into the DMs and, and have a full on chat about it, because I think this is a movie that is really worth investigating and talking about and, and giving it that depth because it was more than just a standard superhero film. Uh, both in the way that it was presented and in the role it's going to play in pop culture moving forward. This is really good. Really enjoyed it. Want to talk to m m more with you guys. Uh, so stay tuned. Absolutely. And that's probably... Uh, you guys can always come back and watch our guest line videos, all our League of Legends and eSports content. And I think the next time we'll be doing a movie review is probably going to be in July after Spider-Man comes out. I haven't seen anything on the schedule for the rest of June that's that's that interesting to me especially with the mummy uh, kind of not having any anything so uh, yeah so so come back then for spider-man homecoming when we return with final cut and until then goodbye internet hey there c80s here thanks for checking out the podcast and if you enjoyed today's episode consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod for just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com backslash esports rough drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.